Let's uh, start with a question this morning, a rhetorical question, okay. something to think, process on. Have you ever, has someone ever uh, talked to you and suggested that perhaps you might be oblivious oh, yeah. to something? A rhetorical question, just take in. Yeah, just a, kind of an area that perhaps you don't have, you, you've not recognized certain dynamics or this whole area. I think part of maturity, maturing as a person, is recognizing some of those areas that we don't have a clue on, right? That, that's uh, uh, Ross Harrop, who is on staff, he used to always say, we don't know what we don't know. That's true, right? Part of maturity is figuring out what we don't know. It is allowing some folks to speak into us. I think there's a number of areas that, that I've seen we can be oblivious to, like relational dynamics or social dynamics. Uh, in uh, danger of being a little sexist here, I've noticed that men oftentimes can be oblivious to re relational dynamics. Would you agree with me? Especially young men, Again, not to, to, to focus in that, but like I remember in college being with my college roommates and being like, hey, Andy, I, I think that that girl likes you. Which girl? The one that you were talking to all night and ke you, she kept initiating with you? Oh, I never thought. Like just he totally would miss that, kind, that, that perspective, right? Oblivious to some of those dynamics. The last couple years, I have been involved in a life-threatening, extremely precarious circumstance. I've been teaching teenagers to drive. <laughs> and though Luke and Cambria are very good drivers today, they did not begin that way. And I was amazed at how oblivious they were to poles and bushes and other cars and drivers and dynamics, right? So there's, there's these areas that we can be completely oblivious to. We can be blissfully unaware, but sometimes we can be dangerously unaware, right? Spiritually speaking, have you ever felt... Like there's whole areas in the faith that, that you, you feel oblivious. You, you just don't know certain aspects about things. I, I know some of you feel, feel that way about the Bible. Like, so I just don't, I really don't know or have a, a grasp of, of what's in the Bible. I, I miss it all the time. Uh, sometimes in discussion with people about the soul and the dynamics of the soul that we, that, that's not been part of our religious upbringing. We, we've missed those dynamics. Of the, of the soul. Sometimes God's will. Do you ever feel oblivious or not a clue to what? God, what do you want? God, God what, are you, what are you doing? I, I miss it. I, I don't understand it. Sometimes we just don't know what we don't know. Or sometimes we're aware that we don't know a lot. I think there's one area of the Christian faith that I would argue in particular, many, many churches are oblivious to. 
that, that, that we've not even recognized that there's a, there's a whole subject or language or dynamic and that we're missing it on. Francis Chan wrote a book on the subject and he called it The Forgotten God. He, he was suggesting with the title alone that in this whole subject matter, we were missing it. And you know what that subject was, what that book was on? It was on the third person of the Trinity. Francis Chan was suggesting that perhaps there's knowledge of God the Father and we know him. In fact, if you go to most churches in the Colorado Springs area, there's a language that you would probably recognize about God the Father. He is faithful. He is good. He's forgiving. There's a, a language about the Son of God. Jesus is our Savior. He is our Redeemer, right? There's that language. When it comes to the Holy Spirit... Not nearly as much. He's, he, he's the third person of the Trinity. I was thinking about my childhood growing up in, in Sunday school and thinking, and did I get much teaching on the Holy Spirit? And if you were anything like me, you, we, we got some analogies on understanding the mystery of the Trinity, and that was it. We got, did you, have you ever heard the egg? So you've got the yolk and the white part and the shell, three in one. Did you, did you hear that? We're like, oh, three, cool. Or H2O, did you ever hear that one? So you've got ice cubes, you've got water, and you've got condensation, right? So they're the same substance, three in one, right? That was it. Eggs and, and water, H2O, is not enough, I would say. It's not enough. In fact, there's, there's a whole theological category about the ways of the Spirit, who the Spirit is, and yet so often we miss out. And here's the real bummer. Here's the issue about this, is that if we really believe that, that the Holy Spirit, which I think Scripture is, is a clear on this point, that the Holy Spirit is meant to be the presence and the power of the living God in our lives right now. He is the difference maker. He is the agent of the kingdom of God. We talk about kingdom life here, right? We talk about the kingdom of God. And if he's the agent of the kingdom, if he's the one that is going to teach us the life that God died for us to have, then we better get to know him then we better understand his ways. What is, is he like? What is the agenda that he has for our lives? What are the ways in which he moves so we can recognize that, see that, and then cooperate with him in our lives and in other people's lives? Then we begin to see one another and go, oh, right there. In Paul, that's the spirit. I, I wonder if he would have me cooperate with him. Friends, I'm concerned that, that we're driving cars <laughs> and we're oblivious to the other drivers and, and, and the other cars and poles and bushes, and right? So we're, we're driving blind in this sense. 
And I believe that the Lord wants to, to, to take off the blinders and help us to see. He wants us to, to lead us. And I am convinced of this, that the Spirit of God has such a, a fullness of life that he wants us to live. That, that he is longing for us to step in. That's why we've called the series, The More. That there, there is so much of the Lord that he has for us. So much life to live, a fullness of faith that he's calling us and inviting us to. And yet we're oblivious to the more. We're, we're missing it. And so I'm excited to begin this series by saying, can we, can we look at the more that God has for us? Can we see and recognize this whole area of the faith that perhaps many of us, some of us perhaps have been taught, but many of us, it's been woefully undertaught or discussed or emphasized? Could we see what the Lord would want to say in this moment, right now, wherever you are at in your faith, whether wrestling with the faith, unsure of your faith, whether young in your faith, whether been in the faith for a long time, what would be the fresh revelation that God would want to bring to us about the, the works and the ministries and the ways of the Holy Spirit? Does that sound fun? That sounds super fun to me, super exciting. And what I'd like to do by way of introduction, we're going to be in this series for, for several weeks, and I'd like us to look at a story, one story that encapsulates a lot of the ministries and the ways of the third person of the Trinity in one story. I think it's pretty amazing. And it's not a story in the New Testament. It's a story in the Old Testament. Would you turn with me? You can uh, uh, look at the table of contents in your Bible if you want. That's okay. We're way back in 1 Samuel. All right, a little hint, a little clue. 1 Samuel is just before the book of... Yes, so if you're in 2 Samuel, go to the left. All right. And we're going to start in uh, chapter... Uh, 9 and 10, and we're going to look at the story of the first king of Israel, uh, Saul, King Saul. Now, it's a little bit of a sad story because actually Israel was unique as a nation that God was their king, primarily through a prophet Samuel at the time, and the Israelites didn't like that. That they didn't like that setup, and they said, we want, a, we want a human king, just like every other nation. And it was a lament to God's heart. But he said, okay, all right, I'll get you a king. So God chooses Saul. Saul is a, a, a head taller. He's taller than all the other Israelites. It says he's, he's handsome, more handsome than any other Israelite. So he's, you've got this tall, dark, and handsome guy. He's ready. He, from a worldly perspective, he is ready to lead. But from a spiritual perspective, he's very far from being ready to lead. So God's got to get him uh, ready. But Saul, his dad, loses some donkeys, so he's searching for these donkeys. And do you know that Saul is completely oblivious to all that God is doing and working? 
He's oblivious to God's plans and purposes and calling for his life. He's oblivious to how God works. He thinks he's just looking for donkeys, right? He's just searching for donkeys. I was going to use the, the King James version of donkeys, but I've decided to relent, all right? All right? And so he's looking for these donkeys, and they can't find them, so he, they decide to go to the prophet Samuel and maybe they can get some insight. And Samuel, God speaks to Samuel. Samuel hears God's voice. And he uh, says this. I'm in uh, chapter 9, verse 15 of 1 Samuel. It says, Now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel. About this time tomorrow I will send you a man, uh, a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him ruler over my people. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked on my people, for their cry has reached me. So God is responding to the cries of the people, their need, and he is going to knit, um, knit together, he's going to prepare Saul for this kingship, okay? Saul right now is oblivious, and God tell, uh, Samuel tells him, and look at uh, verse 21. Look at Saul's response to Samuel. But am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel? And is not my clan the least of the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me, that he would be king, that he would anoint him? Now, right away, there's some seeds that are disconcerting here. Not only is Saul oblivious but he's resistant. He's resistant. He's only looking at himself. He's not looking at God, right? And he's concerned. And my concern is that we're not just oblivious. God will clear up our oblivion. God will teach us. But we do need to bring a heart of hunger for more. We do need a desire to know the Lord more. We do need to have this hunger to, to not just spend our days looking for donkeys. We do need a desire to live the life that God has called us to live. Without that, God can teach you all sorts of things. But without a faith, without a trust, without a hunger well, we're not going to see much growth, okay? Can we bring that heart to the rest of the story of Samuel? Thank you, Logan. All right, Logan, you and me, we're here. All right, you ready for this story? This is a surprising story. Ralph, is there any way to reduce the echo up here? That'd be great. All right. We're in chapter 10, and I cannot see that verse. Five, five, there it is. After that, you will go to Gibeah of God, where there is a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, trimbles, pipes, and harps being played before them, and they will be prophesying. Now, Samuel is talking to Saul, and he's saying, Saul, this is what's going to happen to you. He's anointed him as king, but he knows that God's got a lot of work that he wants to do in Saul's life. Verse 6, 
He says, the spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you. And you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds you to do, for God is with you. Jump to verse 9. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart. And all these signs were fulfilled that day when he had a servant arrive, he and a servant arrived at Gibeah, a procession of prophets met him. The spirit of God came powerfully upon him and he joined in their prophesying. When all those who had formerly known him saw him prophesying with the prophets, they asked each other, what is this that has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Is that a pretty amazing story? And that's not even in the New Testament. (laughs) That's in the Old Testament. I thought the Holy Spirit just came at Pentecost after Jesus. That's what I found. Many people know. In fact, we see this story in a powerful way affecting Saul. And this is way back at the beginning of the book. By the way, it tells us a few things about the Holy Spirit. One is... Did you know that the Holy Spirit is eternal? That he is present in the opening verses of the entire Bible. He was present in creation and he was hovering over a formless and lifeless planet. And it was the Spirit who brings life with the Father and the Son. And did you know he's at the end of the the Bible in the final verses or chapters where he's with the bride, you and I, saying to the son, come, come. He is in the beginning and the end. And then there's something also really neat just to observe from these passages of scripture is that God knows that he's gotta do a deep and abiding work in Saul. So what is his solution to Saul's life? A good education. Do you see that in the scripture? That's not there. That's not. Now that's the answer most that we bring, right? If there's an issue in the world, what do we need to do? Educate, educate, educate. Apparently that's not God's answer for Saul. No, what is, what is God's answer? How is he gonna prepare Saul? Wealth. Not there in the story either? Isn't that what we say? We, we throw money at the thing. If, they, if we have an issue, right, in society or community, what do we do? We, we throw money at it, right? Right? What does the father see that Saul needs? the spirit of God and a number of things that will flow from the ministry of the spirit. He gives the spirit to do a deep work within, a change of heart. He forms him into a different person and then he does a deep work, you could say, upon. There is a power. He needs both transformation within 
and power upon. He says, I'm going to set Saul up to live the life, to live the calling, to be the king I've called him. Therefore, I'm going to give him the spirit of God. A number of years ago, uh, I, uh, I asked the congregation, the, the consistory for uh, a sabbatical. It was my seventh year here. And I took about uh, six weeks to pray and, and study. And um, the, the sabbatical, the time away that I wanted was really rooted in this one verse, the, this one idea. Actually, it's uh, connected to a number of verses. But that one verse, I have it. It's in Revelation. It's up here on the screens, if we can go to that. And this is a greeting at the beginning of the book of John. And he gives a Trinitarian greeting. And would you read this greeting with me? He says, this is Revelation 1, 4, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and is to come, reference to the Father, and from the seven spirits before the throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Is there anything bothersome about that verse? What's that? The seven spirits? Yes. Yeah. So I was like, did we have it wrong? Is it not the Trinity? Do we have, is it nine? Right? God the Father, God the Son, and the seven spirit. What, what in the world is going on? Verse. What is he saying by that? How do I, 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 that doesn't make sense to me. In fact, maybe he wasn't talking about the spirits of God. Unfortunately, if you look at those references up there, they specifically say the seven spirits of God. What does that mean? And if you look at the commentators, they will say that, well, actually, it's talking about not seven individual spirits, it's talking about the sevenfold spirit. And in scripture, there is this uh, the concept of seven relates to a number of things wholeness, perfection, and fullness. And so in one way, it's saying that the Spirit of God is perfect in every way, all that is contained. But there's something else that I believe that God was saying, is that there is a fullness of ministry that the Spirit wants to have in our lives a wholeness of ministry that he wants for you and me. And so you know what I did for six weeks? I laid on my couch and I binge watched. No, I'm just kidding. That's not. No, what I did is went to different churches and we experienced different worship. It was, it was fun. Did some family time, yes. But then I studied Every verse in the Old and New Testament regarding the Holy Spirit. And I said, if there were seven ministries that he wants to have in our lives, keep in mind, this is very important. 
I wasn't saying who is the Holy Spirit as much as I was saying, Holy Spirit, how do you want to work in our lives? What's the ways that you want to minister in other people's lives so I can see that and recognize that and join you in the work in other people's lives? How are you wanting to minister in my heart and my soul and through my life? And how can I recognize that, see that, and then join you? Do I have a role to play? I'm pretty sure I have a role to play. How can I see your hand and join you in my life and in my family's life and in the church's life and in the world's life? And he began to speak. And he began to teach and I began to wrestle and I began to see those ways of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna put it like this. Again, I entered the school of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever entered the school of the Holy Spirit? I've done it a couple of times. On the kingdom study, I entered the school of the Holy Spirit. When I went to seminary, it wasn't because I was going to seminary. It's I entered the school of the Holy Spirit. The school of the Holy Spirit has no brick and mortar, right? It has no boundaries. It has no tuition, right? But keep giving to the church. We need uh, the, the ministry. But, but there's, no, there's no tuition there right? And actually, he gets to set the agenda of what he's going to teach us about the faith, whether it's about God, about Jesus, about forgiveness, whatever that is, he invites us to take a class. We get to choose that class, and he says, would you take this on forgiveness? There's an issue here. I want to school you in this area. And what happened in this moment is I entered the school of the Holy Spirit, but on particular, it was about how he wants to work in our lives and through our lives to the lives of others. And I recognize these seven ways, and I don't really mind if you disagree with these seven ministries, right? I, I, could, I could be wrong. I want to study it with you right? I'm totally fine with you being wrong, all right? But would you, for the next couple of weeks, enter the school of the Holy Spirit with me and ask, Spirit, this, this is, how, how do you want to work in my life? How, how does, how can I recognize your ministry that you're wanting to have and can I join my life to you. Would you speak to me? Would you be my counselor? Would you be my teacher? Oh, by the way, that's what, exactly what he wants to do. If we come to the Holy Spirit with that prayer, he's going to answer it yes every time. Amen. Amen? Yes. He wants to teach you and I, he wants us to learn his ways so that we can cooperate with his work in our lives and with him. All right, look at at your outline. Look at your outline, and if you look at the the bottom part of that, we're going to do something a little bit different here. I'm going to treat your outline this morning as our syllabus for the class. Yes? 
Are, are you with me on that? We're just going to look at a syllabus, so we're not going to go into great detail. There's rich, rich material all through this, but we're just going to look at the syllabus, right? And then halfway through our, our nine weeks, there will be a, an exam. <laughs> just kidding. I knew that. But be ready. Okay. All right? And at the end, there's a final. No, 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 I'm just kidding. So... So look at that, and it's a little bit of a syllabus here. And, and one of the ways that we've already talked about this is God's voice is all over the story of Saul, right? He's speaking to Samuel, the prophet. He's speaking through the prophets, the procession of prophets. Then he's speaking through Saul. And one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is he wants us, as we, we've talked about this a couple of times, like at Easter, he wants to teach us his voice, the voice of the shepherd. Do you know the Spirit of God is called the Spirit of Christ as well? The Spirit, the voice of the Spirit is the voice of Jesus. He wants us to teach and learn, uh, teach us and learn from him his voice. Now, there's a number of ministries that we see if we look back at scripture. Look at verse 6. Verse 6, it says, uh, The Spirit of God will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Wow. So that, that's one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit? I'm going to go with a yes. I'm going to go with a yes. And the one word that, that I've recognized is this idea of identity, of who we truly are, that the Spirit of God wants to change and transform us into the truest person of who we are. Not the, not the broken part, Right? Not, not the, 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 the broken Dave or Edna, but the, the, the person that God has invited Dave and Edna to be, that when he created and knit them together in their mother's womb, he's saying, I want to teach you the true Dave and the true Edna. And when it comes to identity, friends, in our culture today, we've allowed the world to dictate who we are and how we view ourselves. Do you realize that? It's not all bad, right? But we generally identify ourselves by our role and our interest. I'm a father and a dad. I'm a husband. I'm a pastor. Not that those things are bad, but if those are the core of my identity and I lose one of them or I'm having issue in one of things, then I have an identity crisis. We've got people having identity crisis all over the place. And the Lord is saying, don't you know that I want the foundation of your identity, of how you see and understand who you are, first and foremost, to be the love of the Father for you. Amen. And your relationship with him, everything else is built around that. That when you think of yourself, when you look in the mirror, you should see that son or daughter that is adopted by God that it doesn't matter what other worldly identities are stripped away. It doesn't matter because you have the firm foundation in Jesus Christ alone. 
The Spirit of God wants to teach you and I the depths of who we are. And when we have uh, applied a broken identity, a a, a broken thing from the world, oh, I'm a divorcee. He wants to say, oh, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. Oh, I I, I am unforgiving. I will never forget. No, that's not truly who you are. Did you know the Spirit of God wants that ministry in your life? Amen. Amen. Would you sign up for that? I'm signing up for that. Look at verse 9. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, God, what's he do? He changed his heart. There's another deep work about that. And I would say the the word that I'm using is a little bit more theological. It's different than identity. It's more sanctification. This is about character. Did you know that God doesn't just care about what you believe? He cares about what you believe. But so often we can just say, we can define the faith by what we believe or by what we do. He cares about both of those. But you know what he's after at the core? His character. His character. Your heart. Who you are. Are you a man or a woman of integrity? Are you walking in the kindness of God, in the forgiveness of God? How is that playing? I, I just find, I'm so sad. One of the pastors that I, I would say, admired the most in the world, um, just there's reports of after a long, long ministry, it seems, we, we don't know for sure, I don't know the possibility, but it's, it's, there's evidence of sexual inappropriateness. And he's stepping away from ministries, retiring early. I'm so sad about that. And again, I, I, I don't know the details. I, I don't know all of that. I do know that he's stepping away from ministry. I do know there's some credible witnesses to that and and here's my only conclusion is that as this pastor led a large vibrant ministry there was character work that the spirit of God was wanting to do and he was not cooperating with him in those areas boy I don't want to be that person I want to allow him to speak into the the parts of my heart that need to be transformed because they're broken, they're wounded. The good news is the Spirit wants to do that in your life and in mine. He wants to change our hearts, to transform our characters. Would you sign up for that? Thank you, Logan. Still you and me, Logan. We're here, brother. Stay with me. All right, now, verse 7. Look at verse 7. It says, Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Some of you have heard me speak on this before. I love the word, the little word, with. It was an important word to Jesus. When he talked about 
um, the life that he wants us to live, he used this idea of with, that our lives are not meant to simply be for God and for his glory, though they are meant to be. Our lives are meant to be lived with, with God. There's this this fellowship, this companionship, this walking along as two friends would walk on the beach. This this idea, and I'm using the word intimacy, this idea that, that we've had, no, 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 I'm not calling you to a faithful religion, I'm calling you to a faithful relationship, and that shift changes everything. Do you know Paul would say about the Spirit of God? He would say that his Spirit testifies to our spirit that we are children of God. There's this testimony, this speaking, this word, this witness of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is the presence of the living God in our lives today. He wants us to be people of presence, people that walk in the with. Now, we could stop right there Most evangelical churches would stop there. Do you know there's another category? We've been talking about ministries within. We've been talking about identity and intimacy and sanctification. All are ministries of the Holy Spirit and the voice, teacher, all are ministries of the Holy Spirit within. Is there more to the story of Saul? Yes, there is. What is that more to the story? Upon, thank you, Logan, for staying with me, brother. I coached him just before the service here. Yes, yes, do you see that? Do you see that? Is there power anywhere in the story of Saul? Yes, a couple of different places. Look at verse six. The spirit of God will come powerfully upon you. Friends, part of the desired work of the spirit in our lives is he wants to empower you for life and ministry. This can be contrary to how we understand the faith, especially as Americans. As Americans, what do we like to do? We like to bootstrap it up, right? We like to, hey, it's our will, and we get it done. We see an issue, we go after it. And the Spirit is saying, no, you're going to make all sorts of mistakes. It's like we've got a microwave in the kitchen, right? And yet we haven't plugged it in. right? So we're trying to let, I'm going to get this warm. No, just put it in the microwave for a minute. The Spirit of God wants to empower our lives and our work. And in fact, here's the neat thing is we're gonna see that he will continue to empower our lives. As he calls us to a task, he doesn't go, good luck. He says, I'll empower you with that fresh infilling to do the work I'm calling you to do. You can rely on me. You can turn to me. You can ask me. And I'll delight in doing that. Verse 10. The Spirit of God will come powerfully upon him and he joined in their prophesying. Do you know what ministry that is? 
gifts. That he wants to give you and I gifts, reveal our gifting to us. Some of you are saying, "Uh uh-oh, that's where it gets weird. Right? He does not want us to get weird. Can I get an amen from that? I'm not talking about us getting weird. We have no chandeliers in this place to swing from, right? That's not what I'm talking about, right? Praise God. (laughs) Yes, I'm not talking about getting weird. I'm talking about being biblical, right? I'm talking about saying, God, wait, what really? The testimony is that you have gifted me in a unique way and you want me to discover those gifts and cooperate those gifts and maybe even fan those gifts into flame so that I might be used by you? Sign me up for that, right? Those gifts, some other church would say they've ceased. No, there's no evidence for that. No evidence for that. He's waiting. It's like he's put these gifts under the Christmas tree, but we forgot to open them. And they're sitting there. I just met with an individual and he surprised my socks off. And he said, Eric, I I feel that I'm gifted prophetically and, and I don't know what to do with it. And I said, um, I, I don't know, I got nothing for you. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I said, that's exciting. Let's figure it out together. Let, let's, there's some folks in this community of faith that can walk with you. And let me connect you with them. And we'll learn together. And if you get weird, we'll let you know. And we'll say, don't get weird. Can I sign you up for that? Yes? Yes, you sure? Yeah. Can we trust him? Is he a good God? He's a good God. He wants this for you. He wants this for us. And then finally, verse 11 The story ends with a question, is Saul among the prophets? Do you know the answer to that question is actually no. He's not among the prophets. Some of the people thought he was. That was, was a gift. He, he was meant to be the king. That's what he was gonna do. And, and the spirit of God wants to work calling and mission not quite evangelism and mission, that's a ministry of the Holy Spirit, not quite in the story, but in the sense of calling, that he has a calling on you and I. It doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, male or female, he has a calling on your life. He wants to extend his kingdom through your life. Do you know that? Sure hope so. Yes. And, he, and it, that's why, that's the idea of gifts and power and character and all of that. God is on the move in this world, extending his kingdom, and he wants, he has a calling on your life. And we're chasing after donkeys. All right, I'm going to say it. We're chasing after jackasses. Come on. Wouldn't you choose God's kingdom 
over donkeys. Yeah? I don't know what your individual donkey is. I just don't want you to become a donkey. (laughs) I'm going to stop right there. Okay. Let's wrap this up. All right? This is just a syllabus, right? I could have said so much more about every verse. This is just a little bit of a syllabus. So Saul goes through this transformation. The spirit of God changes and brings um, a, a change of heart and a sanctification process. He does all this work. And you'd think that Saul is good to go, okay? So now, this has just happened between Saul and Samuel, the prophet. So they're going to have Saul be revealed and chosen by God in front of all of Israel. So they don't have to just take the prophet's word of it. Um, the king wants all of Israel to recognize that God is choosing Saul for the first king. So they pull together the whole nation, all the, all the tribes of Israel, the 12 tribes, all right, and they do something called lots. We don't know exactly what that looked like. It could have been dice, it could have been sticks, but they have the 12 uh, tribes, and they choose that, and they, they do lots. Maybe it's a stick, and it falls on Benjamin. That's Saul's tribe. So they take all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin, and they pull them together, and then they draw lots, and it falls on Saul's clan. So then they take probably birth order and people to decide which is the king and it falls on Saul and they turn and guess what? He's not there. All of Israel was gathered together Now think about this. Saul has been through. He was prophesying with the prophets. He felt the spirit of God change. He said, go and do what you do with all of that. He's prepared. God has prepared Saul to do all that. And when it comes to his moment of glory, where he gets to say, I am king, he didn't show up. Do you know where he was? He was hiding. (laughs) You think I'm making this up? I am not. He's hiding after all of this. Do we have that final scripture up there somewhere just to show that I'm not making? So they inquired further, Lord, has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, I wonder what the inflection of his voice was. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's the guy I chose, but he's hiding among the supplies. (laughs) So they have to, Saul, Saul, where, Saul, and they pull him out. And Samuel's like, uh, yeah, he's your king. <laughs> what was wrong with Saul? It wasn't oblivion anymore. God taught him a lot in this experience. He spent days talking with Samuel. What was it? It was fear. It was a lack of faith. He wasn't hungering for the things of God. To have the experience with the Spirit of God, I would give my right arm 
right? And, and Saul, but Saul, he's learning about God and, and his calling and his purposes and all of that. And he's hiding in the baggage. They already found the donkeys. He couldn't go looking for them. He had to just, he hides in the baggage. Friends, we got to want it. We got to long for the things of God. We got to press in to his ways and his purposes. Each of those seven ministries of the Holy Spirit, there's so much there that we can long and press into for the rest of our lives. I don't care if you're 100 years old. We can press into the depths of each of those ministries. But we have to wanna. We have to pray. We have to lean in. Would you pray with me? Father, we gather here before communion. Forgive us when we've not longed for more of you. We recognize this communion. Jesus, you gave it all. You went after the will of the Father. You gave your life. Help us to give you back all. Help us to long for more of you, the fullness of your ministry in our lives, the fullness of the life that you have for us. Lord, would our taking of this communion be us saying, yes, I long for more of you, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.